how to block better in javelin how to avoid injuries or deal with injuries when they do come throw the javelin through the point thomas roller olympic champion will share all that and much more information uh, in this episode and when i say much more i, I mean so much more uh, valuable information in this podcast that thomas has shared it's already hard to live in this time and age considering everything's happening around us if on top of that you are or you decided to become a javelin thrower man kudos to you uh, but it's so much more important to learn your skill of javelin throwing uh, the right way and from the people who do it the best and i really believe thomas uh, is one of the best teachers out there in javelin for javelin right now uh, not just because he's olympic champion um european champion one of the best of all time right the guy threw 93 90 and that's that is so far that if he was to compete at uva track we would have to move the line back because uh, he would hit the other side of the of the field so it's really far third of all time like i said and that's why i think his clinics are so in such a high demand and why athletes get so much benefits from it because he is at his peak he still understands how does it feel to throw far and he'll talk about that like i said about block about injuries about technique that he's thinking about technical cues that he's thinking about right now um, and to take time at his peak to teach educate on his uh, clinics on his website is really really admirable and I think that's why he's, again, popular in the U.S., so popular in the U.S. and around the world. Um, one of my um, favorite parts of the podcast is when I ask him about strength levels necessary to throw far javelin. And I love the way he answered that question. And I think it just adds another example of why, uh, how he's uh, just an understanding of javelin, or wisdom of teaching it, is at such a high level. Uh, the way he crafted the answer was was incredible. Um, but very smart because he knows what people need to know in order to get them to their best uh, versions of themselves to throw far uh, so you can't just skip uh, some steps you got to develop uh, the skill step by step from the bottom up and when you ask about you know how strong do i need to get uh, the way he answered was really really clever without further ado check out take notes from olympic champion one of the best throwers of all time, still competing at his peak, Thomas Roller. So yeah, Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Olympic champion and all that. We had a big intro to, the, uh, to state all your accomplishments. Uh, uh, you are very, very uh, popular thrower in America. You do a great work and spend a lot of time in U.S., uh, so our audience was very excited to uh, send a lot of questions. But first of all, how did you, um, a question that everybody gets asked, and we do, how did you get into javelin throwing or track and field? Yeah, so first of all, warm hello also from my side um, at the camp at the moment, and I'm happy to to join into your podcast for an hour or so now. Um, yeah, the way I got into javelin, I think it is different to to what usually happens to the US just because our German system of sports is different to what people have in the US. And as I understand, the audience is mostly US students, kids and talents, or even elites. We do have a club system and you grow up um, in the different school levels. And I started with track and field, um, but it's just something that happens on a voluntarily basis. So this is whatever you take, two or three times a week you're in this club and you just enjoy the sport and this happened to me I was trying the arts I tried music and I also tried track and field and I yeah I got stuck in track and field so this is what I what I loved and um, often people ask me if I play any other if I ever played any other sport any team sport and I always have to say no I didn't actually um, I think one more important part of the whole javelin story is that I was this active kid that loved to throw everything. Um, my parents always telling the stories when there was a stone or something, um, when we had the vacation by the shore or we were climbing, hiking, mm. there always had to be a lake or something to make me happy. Just so <laughs> I found a stone that I can throw. 
Um, that's kind of a story from my childhood. Mm. Uh, but I definitely believe that this type of natural growing is something, something that comes with a lot of growers I know um, that I got to know to the highest level, to the Olympic level. Everybody has this story of being this natural one that loves to throw things around and then we just mm. have to get the technique in. And that didn't happen on a very straight road, I would say. So okay. when growing up in track and field, I was this, this young man, this boy that didn't grow as fast as the others. So I was the typical fourth place guy um, because there was always <laughs> someone that grew bigger um, that had the beard earlier. Mm. And I was just this little bit slower developing one. Mm. And um, this made me become a jumper at first. Because in Germany, we have a lot of rules to stay at a sports high school. Um, mm -hmm. It's schools that are a little bit more specialized for sports. It's a good surrounding. It's very safe. Um, no drugs, no problems, socially mm -hmm. stable. And me and my parents wanted me to be at that school. But at the same time, you needed these, um, these numbers, these uh, More than just one event, that. yeah. Right. And, and, and you need to decide for the event that kind of keeps you at the school. So I... Uh. We specialize with the age of 14 around. So before whatever happens before, no one really cares. You do everything. The endurance was never my my favorite part. Okay. But I love so the soccer events. Yeah. I was I was good at the hurdles as well. I was good at jumping. And then at the age of 14, it was about to specialize. And I specialized for triple jump and high jump. Um, made it to to eighth place at the nationals and triple jump, which is not too bad something mm -hmm. around 14 meters. Um, but then with the age of 17 to 18, there was this change when jumping coach left the city. Um, sports Federation and people were asking me like, Thomas, is this actually really what you love to do in sports? And I said, no, actually, I, I love javelin. And I always competed on a regional level. Not too bad, but the, mm -hmm. like the, the, the regional bests, they were like 10 meters ahead of me or in the national mm -hmm. best, they were like 20 meters further away from what I was capable of doing. But I just loved the sport. And then I said, no, I want to be a thrower if, if that's possible here. Yeah. I made one year together with a multi-event coach just to get me physically prepared. Yeah, yeah and then the, the javelin journey started with the age of 18. That, that's a it's a great example and it's a very unusual to hear a jumper going into the throwing right uh here in america uh, the idea is that you have to be big and strong to be a thrower right javelin whatever this is javelin uh but your story was obviously a little different and uh it, it shows that for javelin maybe the, the strength is not as important as as the speed yeah. it definitely is javelin is different and i think this is also um I mean, we we could now already dive into the details. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. I've been I've been talking, discussing a lot with U.S. coaches, U.S. people that mm -hmm. are involved in javelin, and you're really good at the shot put, all the rotational things with the big yeah. guys. Um, yeah. The problem is the javelin is just it's simply different. If you have a look at the world best results, let's take the best fifteen all time with the new yeah, javelin. Yeah. yeah. There's literally no one over 110 kilogram. There's no one two meters and yeah. 10 tall or something. Yeah. It's very athletic, normal guys from the street that are yeah. actually super talented, super athletic. Yeah. Um, but there's not this super huge guy. Of course, Vetter looks different to me. Hoffman looks different to me. Yeah. Vesely, again, something different. Mm -hmm. And now you have Neeraj. Um, mm -hmm this kid that runs fast and just boom there's the javelin flying yeah. far and yeah. i think people need to understand that that the event is just throwing a very actually it's very light if you take someone mm -hmm. at a public event or something they're like hey can i grab a javelin you you hand it out mm -hmm. you're always like oh i didn't expect it to be that light yeah and i think this is what also people within the system within track and field or within the throws need to understand that the javelin, the length is the problem, but not the not the weight. Yeah. No, and that's a that's a that's a great great point because uh, that's the first obstacle that people get in uh, high school here uh, thinking about javelin, thinking about throwing. Like I have to be a big girl, I have to be a big guy to throw. Uh, but it's always proving to be not that not the case. You have to, and also it's very encouraging to have a story about a 
a jumper <laughs> and we had a couple on our universities uh, a couple of jumper sprinters they just couldn't uh, do as well in sprinting and got their speed into throwing uh, we had a young lady hammer thrower she came from sprinting in three years she threw 63 meters in hammer all right uh, and th that's a u.s system you only have four years but it shows you that yeah if, if track and field is your, your thing and you're not as good as as good a uh, jumper or, or sprinter throwing might be the uh, the, the place to go now, do you think that the speed of difference with arm, strength arm, uh, does have to do with it? Or you just have to be uh, strong? Because, like I said, looking at you or looking at you uh, at uh, FETA, right? The different body mm -hmm. types, still 94, 94 plus meters, right? 94, you almost mm -hmm. threw. Javelin happens from the ground up. And this is what we need to know. So the, the basis we all have to produce any force in track and field, whatever it is, jumper, runner, hurdle, even endurance, all the forces we have come from the ground and also at the throws, we need to get the force from the ground up. Um, we have the saying that 80% of distance comes from everything below chest. And there's this 20% more that you kind of need to, to uh, yeah, you just have to kind of tunnel it to really focus it. And this is why you need the area of arms and chests um, this is this is just for targeting and of course a little bit of distance but usually people with the fast arm they think they can throw far just using their arm but it doesn't work um, at the end there's I think up to 70 meters you can throw with an arm that's something that I truly believe I've seen people do that usually they get injured really fast um, doing that for too long the, there's this one point when you and your coach and your whole team, or especially the thrower himself or herself, need to understand that javelin is about building tension and releasing tension. That's actually all. So we're using our fascia system. We're using the muscles to build up tension. And then we have the, we call it the crash, the block. Mm -hmm. When the momentum comes in and you release the tension, there is no deliberate um, throwing motion involved actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's uh, great. It's, it's, it's great that you explained that uh, uh, again, because the perception is you got to be strong. And now we have Johannes doing great things for the sport, uh, but people look at it like, oh, I have to be that strong, right? Mm. Uh, you have somebody in the US like uh, Brogir, right? Brogir mm. back in the days, also very upper, uh, upper body kind of guy, came from baseball, and you can see no block, right? For him, 90 meter thrower. But uh, and you see yourself, you see Nairaj, you, you see all these guys, uh, other Germans, Hoffman, and uh, um, coming coming up in a, a, a guy from Taipei, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Throwing 90 meters, right? Uh, so what, knowing all that, that you went through different sports, what would be your advice for yourself or for young athletes, their coaches, their, their uh, parents in U.S. and around the world starting? What would you do differently? How would you set yourself up? in those mm -hmm. ages, 14, 15, 16, uh, to be a good gel and thrower as an 18 year old in college or professional? I know that this is going to be a tough call for the US just because of the system, but it's all about patience and not being too good too early. Um, I know there is these guys never thrown a javelin before. They have eight weeks, they come to the school. They're supposed to pick a sport, they pick javelin mm -hmm. and they want to learn the sport in eight weeks time or 12 weeks. Yeah. That's just yeah. dangerous. That's, that's all it is. It is just dangerous because we have, we have an event that is very physically demanding. You need to bring a good athleticism. You need to bring good coordinative skills. The good thing is that you guys play a lot of different sports. So the coordinative part is usually not the issue. This is what we have mm -hmm. in Germany, young kids, coordination level gets so mm -hmm. worse it's like very poor level that we get from the from the schools mm -hmm. so here at the clubs and in the elite groups we need to build all the coordination aspects mm -hmm. um yeah just to make them survive at the end it's only the person winning a competition that shows up at the competition if you're the mm -hmm. guy injured you won't win the competition um yeah, i was yeah, in yeah. this before but we are playing i mean we we are playing on a 94 meter plus range we're not talking about uh, making a school team or something yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is just something that is hard to compare um, but what I want to say is really taking time understanding the sport getting the knowledge in it's important for javelin you have to understand why is the javelin flying um, 
what does it make fly far and what does it take to be to be a good javelin athlete and watching the videos um understanding techniques spending hours and hours on grass executing 50 percent 60 percent intensity throws this mm. is what you need at the young age just to learn the technique and what definitely would have helped me is to learn a proper technique a little earlier this is something mm -hmm. that could have happened earlier um i was just not in the right training group to do so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You were, you were in a jumping, jumping and hurling group. Right, um, right. I was spending all my time jumping. Yeah. What, what is good now, what I, what I see a trend uh, in the U.S. and around the world is the media, YouTube, uh, social media, uh, uh, young athletes and their coaches getting introduced to throwing very early. And you do a, a great job in educating, educating your, uh, just about your throwing and how you throw far and uh, other people, uh, what you learn. Uh, so I think these days that's that's much more available to athletes in U.S. especially, right? Because you said the system is you got to pick a sport eight weeks, you compete in the spring, right? And then you play football in, in the fall, right? So it's a different mm -hmm. uh, different system. But now more and more um, people are getting introduced, and you are doing a great job. Not many people, uh, not many athletes, professional athletes, take time to do educational content to uh, material and camps uh, like yourself. What made you make the decision? Because mostly people wait until they are done. Athletes, good athletes, they wait until they're done to start coaching or start um, doing camps. What made you uh, start so uh, educating so early? I believe that there's different parts um, that motivate me. Um, first of all, I think it's a character. It's just this giving back. I mean, I grew up in a, in a in a, in a club system i grew up in a good structure there was always people taking care of me there was education available and um being being an athlete that came around the world talking to people um communicative i tried to find out what's what's going on in different places around the world and of course there is some more places um that i'm more interested in because the athletic talent is great and i do see great potential for our sport um and then I just start to listen and learn. And what I found out is that the access for knowledge is just not there at some places. And I thought that's that's easy for me to, to just help them to give back um, to, because there is not this one secret. Of course, there's federations that, that we, we had the same. I mean, when I started going to the conferences together with my coach, going to Finland, Germany thought we were going to share this one secret that we have because we're so good, but there is you not. And if you don't share, if you don't share, no one will tell you their secret. Um, mm. So you will get stuck at your um, kind of horizon. And I always wanted to kind of, yeah, grow that horizon of knowledge of javelin knowledge. So I started sharing me and my coach, and we were um, were very open minded, listening to other javelin coaches around the world. Um, there's some. Kortani is special in Finland. Um, you have Pochev yeah. Strom with uh, with Teresois Liebenberg, a great scientist and also coach. Um, he he has a lot of knowledge. Um, Klaus Bortoniec, for example. And if you just start the exchange, um, you find out that there's so much more to learn. So it was also mm -hmm. something that made me a better thrower. But yet, at the end of the day, I love sharing. I love helping others just because it's not about me anymore. I won the Olympics. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything that happens now is just because of joy. I mean, I kept throwing because I love the sport, not because mm -hmm. I need to show anybody that I'm great throwing a javelin. No, it's just for me because I love it. Yeah. And um, I want to have that footprint that people, at the end, they should remember that there was this Thomas Roller helping the whole sport, not just himself. And this is this is what I'm trying to do. And this is why I'm trying to respond to messages and um, talking to people like you at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Just helping the sport. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why you are so popular in, uh, in uh, social media in America and around the world, because you are so open to uh, share your knowledge to help young men and women. Uh, and that's, I think, very, very important for this sport uh, in general, because you're doing, like you say, you, you won so much. You're Olympic champion. You're always going to be Olympic champion. I, I coached, I, I was fortunate enough to be coached by Mac Wilkins, discus thrower, who was Olympic mm -hmm. champion. Uh, and he said, Mar and he was doing those things. He had a little camp in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. He was recruited by many big schools, Stanford, to, be, to work there. He's like, not Martin, my calling is to work with these young men and women, uh, high school, 
uh, I'm always going to be Olympic champion, right? And I, as a sport does better, everybody does better. And that's what you are doing, uh, people like you. Uh, so it's really, really good to see that. And that's, that's why sharing knowledge, like somebody like uh, Diego, right? He learned online first and then uh, ended up being a world champion uh, and then make a great story and sport more popular. Uh, so thank you for that, Thomas, uh, definitely. Um, and uh, what, what are, do you have any upcoming camps that you're going to do uh, now that COVID? I know that, that you had a couple of camps coming that were canceled because of COVID. Now, anything in the future similar? Yeah, the long-term planning is definitely still an issue with COVID, but it gets better. Uh, I was super glad having, having the chance to come over for LSU camp. Um, that was definitely great. And there with the team around Tom Buxes from USA Javelin Project. Yeah. Uh, I'm in super close contact with them and everything that happens will, 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 will be some kind of connected with them because I truly believe they, they have a good impact in the sport. Um, uh, we are talking about more camps. Of course, I mean, my schedule is super busy. I can't come over like four times a year. I have family, yeah, yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're having a small farm back home. Um, nice. I'm at camp. I'm throwing the javelin so there's a lot of things to do but we are planning with one or two camps every year to make it something um, that can develop something that really builds up so athletes can decide to be part of a kind of a camp system so they learn mm -hmm. at one and they develop within the camps um this yeah. is what we're hoping to develop and of course i'm, I'm doing the one big camp in germany every mm -hmm. year together with the yin javelin festival uh, we just decided to not have the festival next year just because um, I need to kind of be careful with my own batteries, um, super involved, but we still have the camps and we are always open for visitors. So anytime around the year, we are open for visitors. We are an international group. Um, everybody's happy to, to, to welcome people that want to learn about Javelin. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we have the big summer camp every year. That's That's been a great success, but I know Germany is, is, is just, I mean, it's in the middle of the world. So people from everywhere come, but it's still far away from for the U.S. So I'm happy to come over once or twice a year. And I think people, the, the opportunity is is priceless to learn from you uh, in person, uh, watching you for two three days uh, that you have those camps. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, it's worth money, and I think it's it wor worth investing, especially if uh, athletes want to do uh, in college, want to throw a javelin in college. It can save you a lot of injuries and a lot of technical problems. Uh, you know, that's nothing. In U.S., a year of education costs between $50,000 and $70,000 more, right? Uh, so a couple of thousand dollars to go there and trip and save yourself a lot of money and maybe learn, earn scholarship. I don't think it's, uh, um, I don't think it's, it's a bad, bad thing to do. Now, think about, talking about preventing injuries, right? So if you learn correctly, you're going to uh, extend your career. But uh, how uh, you were fortunate to have a good technique, obviously one of the best, your technique. Uh, I don't know who, who to compare it to, but you're very smooth, uh, simple, through the point block. Uh, but still, over time, injuries come. Um, and you had an injury recently. So how do you deal? A lot of questions were uh, from audiences. Like how do you deal with injury and uh, mentally and physically? So how was it for you maybe the last injury that happened? How did you deal with that? Mm -hmm. I think let's let's first of all take one of the typical ones like a sore shoulder or something um, because first of all it's about being honest being communicative together with your team and being honest to oneself and i think this is the biggest problem with especially young males the pride um, right i'm not hurting right yeah. yeah right no problem no problem i i, then, I got this oh. Yeah, And then there's this one day when your body will definitely tell you the truth and then you show up at a doctor's office and they stop you from throwing and this is, then it is already too late. So injuries are about the small signs, but being able or making oneself able to, to have a good feeling for your, for your own, for your own body takes time. So you need to get the exercises in uneven surfaces, working blind working with noise working in the rain in the wind all those small changes um they help you to get to know your body better and the body is actually going to tell you if you need more sleep if you need a day rest if you whatever if you're good enough one day your body is is actually the best training plan you have because it tells you what it needs to get better and it tells you when it's time to stop 
Um, mm. I think developing that skill is the one and first and foremost thing preventing injury. But as I said, the javelin is risky and over time you will have some overuse in different areas. Of course, you get the prehab in. If you do that correctly, the overuse is definitely not the issue. But just from statistics, there will be that one or two times in your career when something happens. That's just yeah. the sport. Um, I barely know any javelin for on the top level at the 85 plus level. Or athlete, or athlete in general, right? Athlete in general, right. if we had a long career. Yeah, definitely. So something will happen. And then, then the mental part starts. Um, of course, you need to trust people. You have to have a team that helps you just to speed up the the healing process, whatever it is, um, understanding the problem always helped me. So not just not just going to a doctor or physio and tell them, do what's best for me. I don't want to know. Um, yeah. I always wanted to know what exactly is wrong with my body um, to, to see what I can still do in training. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're not dead if you have a problem with your shoulder. You can still get better at running. You can still get better at so many different things. You can yeah. even get better in technique by watching videos and yep, maybe yep, one yep, story yep. that that's not that popular but it's actually for myself is it's like the most crucial injury that i ever had happened exactly seven weeks before the olympic games um okay at that I, time and i i think even compared to the one that i had now it was the worst thing i ever had was throwing the europeans in amsterdam and i you. tore my um zeratus muscle and a piece of latissimus it was it was a tear and a lot of fluid inside. And I, I looked like being involved in a motorcycle crash or oh, something. No. So my whole yeah. whole side was bruised and was very bad. Um, yeah. And I was I was not able to throw a javelin for five weeks. Actually, wow. if you calculate it, it's two more weeks to the games. Before Olympics, yeah. Before Olympics, right. And I just, uh, yeah, I was watching videos. That was all my technique training. But yeah. at the same time, I got really good at um, at this. We we call it video motoric exercising. Mm -hmm. So we 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 watch videos before throwing sessions or before going to bed or something. You need to be in the zone, and then you really, really can do technical learning by just watching someone else's videos. Your your own. There's, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I usually don't watch my own. Still okay. until today. That was, that was my next next question. What do you watch? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm always picking whatever right foot of Ruskanen, for example, upper body from back play or whatever. This is just examples, but this is, this is how my video training would work. This is what I always at the camps yeah. or so I really tell people to try. Usually it helps. Mm -hmm. You just need to learn to really be in this video to really feel what happens. And you have to yeah. be a little experienced in the sport. I mean, if you don't know about the technique, it's tough to really feel what the guy is doing mm -hmm. on the video you yeah. see there. But once you have two years experience, it's already helping you. Yeah. And then there's the mental part. You don't have, I mean, if you lose confidence, mm -hmm. that's bad. Um, you just have to stay on the road. You have to know what your dream is, what your ultimate goal is, and not the, the short-term yeah. goal. I mean, mm -hmm. you won't make it to the short-term goal. If you're injured, don't don't think about what's next week. No, think about what is, what's my goal for one year. And that allows your body to be relaxed, to give it the time that it needs to heal. But because being honest, if a physio helps you or not, maybe speeds up the process by three days. Yeah, but yeah, at the end, yeah. everybody decides how fast any healing is, um, how long you were dealing with inflammation. Mm. And what I always found is also texting to young talents out there. Mm. They start too early. Better take one more week off. Oh, um, coming growing, back from injury. Yeah. When they're yeah coming back from injury or, or this testing, is it okay? Is it okay to throw already? If you're even thinking about it, don't try. Um, yeah, yeah. If you think it's road, maybe not okay, probably it's not okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. If you think like, oh, hmm, there might be still some little issue, mm. don't try. Take yeah. another week. It's again about patience. And if the system or the coach chases you, be stronger. Yeah, I mean, mm. the schools are chasing you to get these points in. You want to be on the circuit with the other guys. You want to yeah. be competing. But at the end of the day, we only have this one body that will kind of make us a champion one day and it's not about that school meet making you a champion it's mm. somewhere later mm. and, and it's also you being better next year is so much better for the school as well right and, and a couple of points uh, that you can gain and that's really really um, um inspiring to to hear 
that there are different ways to get better and right? not just throwing. And there are some research out there that shows um, that did it with uh, free throws. Uh, if you imagine free throws for two days without actually taking free throws in basketball, you get better at it. Uh, so mm -hmm. for you watching videos, even though you couldn't throw for those five weeks, uh, only a couple of weeks before Olympics, you were watching these videos uh, and still getting better. Right? So that's uh, uh, obviously, obviously something that kids can use in uh, athletes. Um, so that's and it, it crazy. How did you so coming in at the Olympics, knowing that you're injured and you did throw a fight at year year before? Uh, now you know the, what, what most people work for uh, that your level is to become an Olympic champion. You get this injury. How did you come to the Olympic Village uh, calm and were you stressed? What, what was going through your head? I mean, well there's nothing you can change about the, the, the situation of your body. You have to somehow accept it. So there was still a little, little bit of pain, of course. Um, but um, I found a way to be confident. So coach started with me throwing balls on a tennis court. Um, not the super light one. So this is also a discussion I had at the latest camp um, that people yeah. that yeah. believe they're injured, they use light balls at first and then they change to more heavy well, mm -hmm. measurements and what we're doing at biomechanics shows that super light balls, super light implements are the most dangerous thing you can do because they, they, they speed up all the ligaments. Um, uh, too much speed and, and power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's scar tissue that you probably have, if there's something, Interesting. it's just not able to react super fast. So we start with the heavier balls. So we brought some heavier balls, 1.5, um, mm -hmm. 1.2, one kilo. We started nice and easy, all the basics, and I found confidence again quickly. Um, we got some sessions in, then we grabbed the javelin for one test, and my body just told me yes. Yeah. The things that I've seen on video are now possible again in real life. And yeah, it's like last minute confidence building, I would call it. Yeah. I mean, and you, you build up so much work years before that. Um, and it came down uh, at, the, at the right time. It was great watching the Olympic Games, almost through Olympic record, right? Just, just mm -hmm. a little short Olympic record, 90 meters at Olympics. Um, that was incredible. And uh, how, um, yeah, how happy were you after that? Was it, was it all that you thought about it was going to be? Or? <laughs> uh, well, my, my number one dream was always being at the Olympics once. Mm. Um, it's, of course, when I when I understood that I'm one of the best in the world in the sport, um, you're aiming for a gold medal. I, I mean, I'm never showing up at a competition trying to be second or something. Yeah, I think yeah. this is the, the, the case for most athletes out there. Um, but understanding winning the Olympics and the happiness that happened weeks after, mm -hmm. I really have to say that this moment of standing on the podium was very special. It was just my moment, no team. Yeah. Maybe my coach was on my mind, but no one else actually. Um, maybe family, the smallest circle. But then coming home, I understood how many people around me were happy for me, and kind of they, they felt joy because I was throwing the javelin far, um, and that really, really, really made something with me. It's like a super humble moment when all when the city comes up uh, to welcome you and all these things. Um, that's special. That's so worth it working for. Well. And what's uh, what's again go back to uh, the work that you do. Again, there's a lot of Olympic champions out there, but not uh, not many as are are taking time to give back to the sport. And it's so so great again, Thomas, to see that you are doing that, sharing that uh, path and knowledge and struggles. Right. So you're Olympic champion, you're going in for your second Olympics, and you get injured. Right. So it's not a uh, you know. Uh, all uh, rainbows and sunshine after that, right? You still have struggles, right? So, um, and it's great to see your journey. And how long do you think uh, do you want to compete? Uh, you did so much already. How? how uh, what's your next yeah. two, three, four year plan? I'm planning definitely with Paris 2024. So this is um, like this is for sure. If nothing happens, okay. um, and this is also the reason why we took um 2020 i mean 2020 i was no one's have seen me on the international level you uh, seen it, yeah. father, i became father COVID came up yeah, the, yeah. the game has been postponed and um i mean there's this little bit of something that yeah. every javelin thrower has and we just thought it's the perfect year to take 
off from competing, not working out. And it was great training year, uh, really, really good form, building up for 2021 games. And then there was this morning um, when my buddy decided to say no. Um, this is just what happens in sport. I mean, you have to be prepared for that as well. Um, I think no one should believe being a top athlete, being the one never injured. Um, so I was mentally okay. Of course, it wasn't fun. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you prepare so long, you deliberately take a whole season off to prepare the games yeah. and then um, your back snaps. So that, that's not fun, of course. But I knew that there is something more to come after that. Um, we had the plan in 2020 to definitely compete longer than 2024. So it just made sense to not destroy myself completely for 2021, mm -hmm. even knowing that it's, it's almost impossible to win the games just with, with this yeah. Uh, yeah, short period of time preparing and still the, the edges and pain and things. Mm -hmm. So it was actually the right decision. Um, sitting here at a camp preparing a new year, Mm -hmm. I definitely know that it was the right decision because I'm back to how javelin throwing should feel in the years mm -hmm. 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. um, actually my best years. And you will, re I was also not sure if I will ever remember the feelings, if it will all come back yeah. Um, yeah. because those back injuries that someone that has been into something like that, you lose coordination, um, you lose the feeling, you lose the timing. And this is crucial for our sport, um, mm -hmm. but it came back. And now again, throwing 80 meters on grass, mm. just a fun yeah. thing to do. And it's, it's, it's good building up again. So, um, wow. yeah, this is, this is where in my situation I'm in now. And as you see, um, mm. I'm pretty okay talking about that because yeah. it's yeah. just part of the game. It's, it's great to hear that, that, uh, not that you, that you got injured, but it's great to hear how getting injured and then you have to come back. Like there are steps you have to do. It's just part of the sport. It's part of the life. All right, like you said, uh, the injuries yeah. will come. It's not how you, um, it's how you react to it. Like take your time. Uh, a lot of it, like you said, young men and women, they come come too early uh, to come back. But it's also a lesson for life. Whatever you do, you know, building a house, working at work, uh, having a family. Right? Like you have, you need to have a plan down the road. And you being Olympic uh, champion, defending Olympic champion, you said no, I will, I will pass on this. I'm gonna get ready for another, another Olympics, uh, another opportunity. Uh, I, I have to listen to my body. So that's a great, great lesson. A long-term, I think that's what's missing in, in today's youth with not just social media, but just the way the life is so quick. People want mm -hmm. quick results, want, you know, uh, constant uh, instant gratification, but actually the success comes from those small things in long-term. Um, before I ask you, I won't take you too long a time before I ask you a little bit about technique. Because I am a new father as well. How was that for you, like, with not having a baby, not sleeping, and being an athlete? Yeah. How was that? Well, that's it's hard to compare it to anything else in life. Um, it's just a new situation, a great situation, makes you happy coming back um, from training. Um, of course, you have a new. There's just one more new task in life. You you have to take care, and you have to be there, and you you want to help your wife, and you want to. Yeah. Of course, um, it's it's a new job. You need more time, um, and you have a little less time for training um, at first. But now we're back to having a super sleeping solid more. Situation. Sleeping more. <laughs> sleeping works well. Yeah, sleeping yeah. works. I mean, um, that was never a huge issue. I'm super lucky having having my partner. She's yeah. Yeah. she's she's doing a huge job, and we all. We, I mean, we all male athletes having babies should be just extremely thankful there's this yeah. person back home um, yep. taking care of so many things i mean we're it's not enjoying life being an athlete it's a job of course it's, yep. it's yep. also yep. hard but i mean i'm sitting here in turkey at a camp and she's yep. taking care of the house family kid and everything um so yep. i think at this point we just need to be super thankful for our family our closest support team i call it yep. um yeah but having a baby is fun I mean, he, he's great growing up so fast, one and a half years yeah. now already. Mm -hmm. So that all happens very, very fast, especially yeah. these crazy days. Um, everything seems to be running with the COVID and now the worldwide yeah. situation. That's not easy. Um, that's another another issue to talk about. But um, no, it's great. It's great coming back from training and having having your kids standing at the door, waving, saying yeah. hello. Yeah. It makes that's it worth, makes it worthwhile. 
Um, Definitely. But I, and I'm sure he's going to be very happy to see his dad uh, going through all these things, working hard uh, down the road. Um, when it comes to technique, um, we got a lot of questions about technique. We'll keep it um, to some basics. And then there's a lot of videos of you explaining, going into details about some positions. Uh, when it uh, comes to throwing, the block obviously very important. Uh, a lot of Americans struggle with the block. And I think maybe because baseball is so prevalent. Uh, and, you know, in baseball, you do have to block, but it's a different movement, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When it comes to that, how did you learn how to block so well? And uh, you and Feta are always a little different, but uh, German style of blocking is incredible. So how was, uh, what do you think about how do you learn to block like that? Yeah, I think that the European way of blocking for the, there is some really good blockers, the top blockers, we call them. Okay. But there is athletes, and I want to start with that. There is athletes. And you have, uh, I mean, you have the most prominent one, Brooke Greer, for example. Yeah. Um, there's Vesely, there's yeah, even yeah. Weber for Team Germany. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of athletes that threw really, really far without having a mm -hmm. straight knee, good block mm -hmm. in their whole career. Mm -hmm. But of course, like the typical, the best, the most safe one is the straight knee, is the straight block. It's, it's tough to teach. It's something that needs to come natural from building up the correct rhythm. Mm -hmm. I'm always telling people, knees up in the run-up, mm -hmm. a proper hip position, turning that right-handed thrower, turning that left hip, well, just a tiny bit more into throwing direction um, to close the left side a little better. Um, something that helps with the block, it sounds crazy, but it is, is a good left arm. A nice and upright blocking arm. That's also a typical thing for, for baseball taught mm. talents. Um, they, they pull from the left. They yeah. pull it hardly yeah. downwards. And the sad story is yeah. that there's still people in javelin community um, at your side of the ocean that yeah. really yeah. teach to open the left yeah. side. Yeah. Um, but here, like every European you, yeah. out there, we, we are all just shaking our heads and, and not yeah. knowing what's going on because... It's, it's not helping you. If you talk about the impulse, if you talk about the physics, you need to have the left side block. Otherwise you won't transfer energy from the ground up. Uh, you mm -hmm. will always get stuck at 80 meters, but you won't get mm -hmm. further because you don't get that energy from the ground into your throwing arm actually. So this is why you need the block on the ground and also the block up in the air from the left side, just to have this kind of, yeah, stand, this yeah. main stand, yeah. we call it, um, that you can get the impulse around again teaching the block is a lot of rhythm work mm -hmm. is using medicine balls overhead mm -hmm. or even better what we believe is shot put position coming from a five step seven step nine step shot put position and get these athletes to really punch the ball straight into the wall um not flying up like very parallel to the ground um, your head level straight head level um five kilo to one kilo um and oh, really yeah. get them to learn to use a hip because this is the next typical thing that happens usually if you, if you never really learn to block you never really learn to know that mm -hmm. you never learned that there's the most energy in your right hip for every right-handed thrower it's mm -hmm. the most i mean it's the heaviest part of the body why mm -hmm. not use it to throw far um yeah. do you really have to learn to involve the hip and that only works if you learn to block. So that usually happens at the same time, at the same exercises, the same practice. Um, that definitely should be one of the basic technical focuses for many, many throwers out there, um, because mm. there's so much energy in this in this whole hip area. I'm I'm so happy that you said that, <laughs> uh, and that, that that's that's where it is, right? Coming from the ground, from coming from the hips. And I'm sure you got this question asked many times as well, uh, as I do uh, coaching here. Uh, how do I increase the speed of my arm? Right? For general, like, okay, well, <laughs> it's not an arm that's an issue, right? Like you said, 80% comes from the ground. You go from mm -hmm. the knee, hip, and then through the shoulder and arm. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, and, and I do know that you spend a lot of time teaching that in your camps. So I encourage everybody um, listening to this to, to check that out uh, and to learn throws, throwing from the ground up. Now, you, what do you think about when you get on the runway, uh, for you, and they've thrown so many years now, 
technically when you start the run, what's your focus on right now, right now? I know over time, technique changes mm -hmm. or a technical thing that you're working on mm -hmm. changes. Right now, what are some things that you are uh, thinking about? Usually it doesn't change much. So for practice in training, it's a little more things. I can think about up to three things, maybe staying a little close in the left hip, being a little more patient and running away from the javelin is something super typical mm -hmm. um, that my coach uses. It's just, just a phrase, but it helps me to be more patient, wait for the throw to happen. Um, mm -hmm. And optical targeting is also a big thing for us. So we're using optical targets, even competing. Um, as you said, I'm one of the ones that know how to hit the tip and to really make a javelin fly to be super efficient. Yep. Um, I have to be efficient. I'm not, as we found out, I'm, I'm not one of the super big guys. I can, I cannot rely on this yeah. extra, yeah. extra 2% of power, but mm -hmm. I can get the same 2% from just being precise and making the javelin fly really nice and mm -hmm. not making it lose energy, maybe making it use its energy. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is factors of javelin throwing that I sometimes myth with young throwers. They, they just hammer it. They, they go in the weight room, they get a little stronger. They think, oh, being yeah. stronger makes the javelin fly further. The bad thing is it works for some years. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they, those javelins- It gives you, it gives you fails uh, confidence it, or it gives you fails yeah, it's, results. It's not nice. I mean, if, we, if, if top athletes look at young competitions, there's not this, we call javelin a kind of art. Um, it's, an, it's a beautiful event. It's nice. Yeah. But if you mess it up with power, Ooh, yeah. it's not nice anymore. It's not efficient. It just gets dangerous. Um, and even the best guys that are stronger, mm. uh, they are great technicians. They have very yeah. efficient flight. Mm. And I believe this is something that, um, that should be focus point. So if we sum it up, what do I think about is long arm, closed hip, mm. and eyes on the target. I think this is three things mm -hmm. that are on average something that works. But when I'm competing, I only pick one of these things. Okay, at the meet. Okay, uh, and meet, also yeah. very good thing to to um, to point out from you to hear from you. Now with video, it's so much easier to learn better, but it's also mm -hmm. much easier to focus on 15 things at the same time. Like, oh yeah, my arm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it. But look at my block. Look at my hips. Look at my head. Right? So focusing on one to three things uh, at a time, um, you you can focus on so many things. And I love. Um, the way you throw uh, when I teach my athletes that throw 93 90 was so smooth so through the block and all your throws uh, not everybody throws like that uh, and I, I trained with bro gear for, for two years uh, our technique was a little different um, and you see somebody talk about little things in javelin how important they are uh, I remember watching Parvainen in the Jelesny in 2001 Mm -hmm. Same strength, 70 meters, same strength, 91 meters, right? <laughs> How do I it? Uh, mm -hmm. So, but being so consistent, like you are, uh, taking it a little more smooth, uh, you can be a, a very good thrower like yourself, uh, even though if you're not as strong as a feta. Uh, and, but how strong are you? If we can, you know, there's some of the things also people ask. Yeah, yeah. I got two more questions, a couple more questions Let's for you. the question, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, some of your strengths. Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, I, I'll not give you any numbers because that gets the youth wrong. <laughs> yes. Okay, no, good, I, good, I, good, I, good. I found out we get the best results in coaching and the best results in kind of remote mm -hmm. motivation of young javelin talents is not to tell them a standing throw distance, mm -hmm. a jumping distance, a sprinting fast time. Yeah. I mean, there is those old German books um, with those schedules. I'm sure you know about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If right? you if, if you're this throw this far, out, yeah. Right. If you, if you lift that much, if you have 80 snatch, you will be able to throw 80 meters, things like that. Um, but no, I'll give you a different story. I was snatching 75 kilo from the ground and I threw 83, 95 meters far. So yeah. this is the only number that I'm sharing at the moment because that should again show people that it's not about this ultimate yes, strength, not about strength. Grow really far mm. um, of course we do max strength but the thing mm. is that me also getting older we mm -hmm. stopped having any testing days so we're staying at a three repetition max mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're usually not going into the classic five minute break one repetition mm -hmm. five minute break testing we have maybe one repetition breathe turn around mm -hmm. back to the bar so we get um two three reps so this is how yeah. we kind of measure 
where I am at the at the testing and all these things. But we're we're using speed orientated strength mm -hmm. training. We're using um, length orientated. There's these small sensors. Um, it, it, they become a common thing, and we use them to measure what we believe um, is kind of really correlating to javelin mm -hmm. throwing. Okay. When it's right. about acceleration patterns, when it's about speed patterns, um, mm. even speed numbers. Um, this is how we build up our strength training. Mm. Um, it's really tough to to really kind of drop that in a podcast yeah. or something that really works. We're still doing all the typical lifts. So I'm squatting. Um, we stopped deadlifting, so we're just doing the high pull now just to save the back a little better. Um, okay. But we, we have been deadlifting quite much. Um, I do the snatches, um, bench just a little bit. So the benching is a super big discussion point for the whole javelin community. Uh, I because, know about because, that. Of because of Torkelsen. <laughs> yeah, there is stories behind them. I'm, 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 I'll, not, I'll not share them here, but there is always stories behind all these huge benching yeah. contests you yeah. see on social media so <laughs> please just don't get it wrong um yeah. this is the most important thing you'd have to know if you're good at benching do it but make sure you are as flexible as Tokyo's yeah. and wars be as have the great mobility and mm -hmm. flexibility that Feder has for example mm -hmm. um most young athletes that think they are good at benching they bench it but they're not flexible um yeah, yeah. they lose all this this good tension mm -hmm. this feeling this this fascia work they lose it by benching um it's it's a risky game to overbench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you have you i mean everything that happens in the weight room for javelin you really have to know what you're doing and, and why you're doing why you're doing right? yeah yeah i'm i'm also javelin at the camps even mm -hmm. with the coaches i'm often shocked at the camps because they just send their athletes to the weight room and they're yeah. supposed to get whatever stronger what what is it what why are they sent to the weight room they yeah. they sometimes really don't know it the athletes <laughs> where should they don't i mean how do they know why they're at the weight room if the coach doesn't know yeah, yeah. um so once they are sent to the weight room um ask yourself what am i supposed to do here um there's mm. great opportunities to become a better thrower at the weight room but you just have to pick the right things and be really clever about what you're doing because we've seen many young athletes that just destroyed their whole career by by just uneven programming, uneven balancing mm -hmm. um, in the weekly schedules. It's just about when you're throwing, when you're lifting, it all needs to fit together. It's, it's not that easy. Sometimes athletes think once I have a great technique, they can just be in the weight room, run a little, mm. jump a little, and be general for But it is about yeah. clever, clever programming. That is a thing in javelin. It is definitely a thing. The rest, the weight room, the throwing, when, what, mm. that is a big thing in javelin. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, again, thank you for, for uh, pointing that out and not, uh, you know, getting straight on point. It's not important how strong I am, how strong you are. It's important to know what you're saying is, why you were doing a lift and why is that going to help you throw far uh, and then uh, to one point uh, like you mentioned Torgis and I do remember he had a, a, a gymnastic coach at one time right mm -hmm. uh, so he was doing a lot of gymnastics a lot of stretching so it's not just yeah he bench pressed so many kilos but why you know, if, he, if that's his strong suit okay I'm going to use it until it's my into my benefit uh, after there's a point mm -hmm. of, of uh, reverse uh, effect how what's your so what's your routine when it comes to warm-up and keeping flexible especially for so long there has been throwers i remember ivano back in the days through a uh, world record 83 meters uh, as a junior right through 89 uh mm -hmm. later on uh but their body can take so much if you don't like you said long term you got to think about and you have done that amazing job of that what's your routine in being flexible and warming up yeah. staying healthy yeah. so warming up warming up in training needs to fit the session i am efficient and you already understood i have a lot of more things to do than just training so i'm not the person being at the gym for three hours um uh, i just i'm super efficient if it's lifting i'm usually warming up at the with the bar if it's throwing i'm usually warming up with the javelin i start with sticking throws i jog mm -hmm. to the javelin i do the stretches in between 
everything okay. happens very dynamic um same for competition dynamic stretches um just dynamic warm-up um not too much running and anything just just to get the body started um just needs to fit the session needs to be fun and winter time we combine the warm-ups with coordinative learning so we play a lot of table tennis um we play badminton um it's also a team thing i mean we we are in a team I'm, i i never I never ever had a training you, session. Ping pong, ping pong too, right? You play, you guys play ping yeah, pong. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So we're doing this very seriously, actually. Sometimes um, we're quite good at it. Just, I mean, it's it's eye hand coordination if you okay. if you put it on a schedule. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just a fun thing to warm up um, with your teammates. Um, I think the more important routine over long term is my kind of thirty to forty five minutes. Me time after dinner back home or after the workout, depending on what's going on at home. Um, when I do all the the the, the fascia work, the taking care of my body, the the self massage, the rollers, mm. massage gun work, um, stretching, simple stretching, but let's call it long duration stretching. I found that more useful than just. 12 seconds and 12 seconds again so i i stretch a little longer in the positions that help me to be more flexible over long long term but this is something you just need to find out for yourself over the years so it's it's quite different for throwers um but all in all most of them they have their 20 to 30 minutes a day when they're really just taking care of the small things and don't forget about the stability you can't always mobilize um you should also be be aware of stabilization is that why you do the rope the standing on a rope and those, mm -hmm. those things yeah because yeah. anything on the ground gets too easy over time uh, nice yeah well that's why you're, you're as good as you are because of those things um the thomas we talked so much thank you i um you, you mentioned and uh indicated how important it is to, to be very specific in training very important for young people uh, these days uh learning about sport you again through so much knowledge out there you continue to do so uh you are giving hope for those who are injured as well take your time uh rather than than rushing into something the javelin like everything else is a process it's a long-term process um so so Thank you for sharing that with us. If you had to pick your perfect competition or your perfect technique that you had so far, uh, or the best technique that you, I'm sure the perfect is, it's hard to uh, pinpoint, but where, if young athletes want to go and coaches go and look at your video for a good example of a good technique, what competition mm -hmm. would you pick? Uh, or maybe two or three? Or... I mean, I, I definitely, I do have a favorite of myself. But also my technique changed changed over years. So the challenge for athletes and coaches would be to find out what changed over years and um, maybe understand the whys and whats around that. But um, my personal favorite is the 91 something that happened twice in Ostrava. Ostrava. Um, okay. That's definitely my favorite because the second 91 something, I think 9107 or something, using mm -hmm. an orbit orbit carbon javelin um that's actually from the body feelings my pr throw but i definitely picked really picked the wrong javelin at this competition because okay. the first 91 was the easiest ever i did over 90 yeah from body feelings it's hard to see in the video but from body feelings um mm -hmm. you always know how much input you put into the throw mm -hmm. and um I knew that this was not the 110% one. Um, that was still one that was in comfort zone. And the second one was one that was very precise, a little out of comfort zone from the intensity, mm. but I really picked the wrong javelin. You will see at the end how it kind of dipped. Um, I like this row best, but of course people should have seen the Doha one, because as you said, it's it's the most effortless far one yeah. that I know about. Yeah, it looks so smooth. Uh, but now, uh, which one, which javelin would you pick uh, if it wasn't, if you had to go back, which one would you pick and why? Uh. You can take the computer game and just change it up now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I wasn't aware that the wind up there in this, this high area was, was yeah. that bad. So I believe any air glider 
Okay. I should have just picked the same javelin from first round and do it again mm. with a better throw. But sometimes you have the wrong. Usually the feeling in your stomach is right, but that this this competition was wrong. Um, well, these days it all changed a little. I'm I'm still not 100% used to all the Valhallas, but they sail nice. Okay. They sail mm -hmm. nice. So um, I think next season or over the season, over the next years, you will also see me using the Valhallas more often, mm -hmm. even okay. though I'm, I'm still a big fan of the champion carbon. Sure. Um, that was, we can talk so much about Jalen, and uh, we only got into <laughs> it a little bit. Uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, Thomas, so, thank you so, so much. Uh, when do you open up? When will you open up? Uh, the plan is mid-May. Mid-May, mid yeah. So I'm planning with Diamond League season, the special ones. I mean, everybody around the circuit knows the Javelin meets around the world. And yeah. um, this is this is where, where my international home is. And I just want to be, be back there. We are keeping fingers crossed. We're going to link these throws uh, on our, on our uh, social media and our website as well. Uh, thank you so much for, again, uh, teaching young uh, women and men at your prime about this event and making it so much better, making a javelin world a better place. That's what you're doing. So uh, thank you so much and good luck with your training in your training camp. Great. Thank you. Thank you.